fasten your seat belt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. We are the 30-something movie podcast. It's Bo. It's John. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Bo, how are you doing? I'm well, John. Yourself? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Excellent. We we are here once again. Actually, this is a bonus episode, so get excited, everybody. Bonus. Whoop, whoop. bonus. Shortest month of the year. Maybe the most episodes we've ever done <laughs> in one month. That's not true. I feel like last... December or November or something like that. We had like seven episodes in one month or something. Crazy. Yeah, there was some craziness happening at the end of the year there. There was a week. I mean, we got a little, we got a little wonky off of the uh, Thanksgiving turkey, and uh, <laughs> and and things happened. Tryptophan and and things happened, and there was a lot of episodes. But hey, it's it's all for you. This one is also not necessarily all for all of you. This one was for Jason Colvin. Jason is one of our co-executive producers on Patreon. He is also one of the two amazing co-hosts of the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. If you are not listening to those guys, you are doing something wrong with your life. You need to go over and listen to them right now. You can hit them up on Twitter at Shirley Podcast. But anywhere you get your podcasts, look for the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. They, one of their most recent things they did, excellent, excellent series on Batman 89 versus The Dark Knight. And uh, I believe some of our feedback was featured on one of those three episodes on there. So if you want to hear us on another podcast, then you can go check them out there as well. But uh, you got to hit them up because they've got some great, great shows. Their entire back catalog of stuff too. Just amazing. So you got to hit those guys up as well. Jason, also a co-host of mine and his other Shirley podcast co-host is a co-host of mine on the podcast full of kryptonite where we cover the episodes of the CW show Superman and Lois. So we have a good time over there. Podcasts are you a part of these days? God, I don't even know. I don't know. Apparently I have a job. I haven't gone to it in like three weeks, but you know, I, I'm supposed to have a job somewhere and I, yeah, currently two. Our Ooh, it third, seems like more. It seems like, it does seem like more. Sometimes it does. You know how sometimes, you know, years can seem like decades and so on and so hours forth. Hours can seem hours like days, can seem like days. you know, by the book. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so we've got two. We've got the Superman one and we've got this one. And uh, actually, and I, I think I can let this slip because it should be out pretty soon. I was actually just a guest on another podcast. What was that, just a few days ago? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah less than a week. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if they've put that episode out yet or not as of the time of this recording. I don't believe they've released it yet. It is the Jacked Up Review Show, and they did an episode of, they were just kind of like a casual conversation. There were 
probably five or six different guys from different podcasts that were on there. And they were just kind of like listing off different actors from the Star Wars movies, some of the more well-known ones, some less well-known. And it was just kind of like a casual conversation of what do you like from each of these actors? So just kind of going through and, and talking about a uh, good, uh, decent amount of time spent on Billy D. Williams. So I was able to occasionally break out the, hello, what have we here? What have we here? You truly as, belong as here you with should. Us. Yeah. You truly belong here with us among the clouds. Colt 45 works every time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, we're, we're all over the place. We are uh, ubiquitous, you could say. You could say that. I don't know if you would, but you could. You could. If you want to. You could You could say we are in a plethora of locations. Yes, we are. In a, would you say we have a plethora of podcasts, Bo? I, I, would, I would say we have a plethora. Bo, do you know what a plethora is? I, I think so. Okay. Because I would hate for someone to tell me that I had a plethora when they don't even know what a plethora is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could it be that... I have a, <laughs> once again, I have a, do not have the superior intellect. and <laughs> But could it be that once again, you are taking it out on me? Uh, that was our 50th episode. That was what, 300 and... <laughs> Good Lord. 340 whatever episodes ago. Yeah, because yeah, this is 398. 398, friends. Three the Ocho. The Ocho. <laughs> The Ocho. Yes, it is. If you want to go back to our Three Amigos episode, that was our most, we titled that one our most infamous episode. That's more than famous. It is. Episode number 50. The infamous, that means he's more than famous. Oh, oh. The infamous. Infamous. Yeah. There is another movie we came here to talk about tonight. And that is. Yes, I, I feel like we're. Possibly stalling. We're, we're diverging and, and stalling just and, a little bit already. And marinating in our open. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. We're all fine here. I'm fine. 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 So, yes. Yeah, so, we are here. This was a this was a request on behalf of Jason Colvin, uh, who is one of our Patreon co-executive producers. So, if you want to get, if you want to be able to tell us what to do and you want to hear more of our bonus episodes that are over there, head on over to 30podcast.com slash donate. And that'll get you over to our Patreon page. And any amount of support will get you those bonus episodes. And then there are some different tiers. So you can either join us uh, as a co-host for a show. You can recommend a movie for us to watch. Uh, things like that. So go check it out over there. And then you can become a part of that too. Thank you so much for all of our Patreon supporters, our co-executive producers over there on Patreon. And all the ways that you help out the show. All right. Our movie this time is called Jennifer 8. I don't know what she ate, but I hope it agreed with her. It was chili. Eh, depends on the chili. Maybe it was a green pepper. Oh, a green pepper. A ghost pepper. Before we get started, though, we spoil freely, so just be warned. We're gonna, we've already kind of like started talking about four different other movies to begin with. So we just talk, and as we talk, we spoil things. So just be aware of that. All right. Our movie this time was Jennifer 8. It came out on the 6th of November, 1992, rated R, with a runtime of two hours and four minutes. It was directed by Bruce Robinson, the Bruce Robinson. He puts his pants on one leg at a time. I'm sorry, that's Bruce Dickinson. Never mind. That was close. But he also directed The Rum Diary and How to Get Ahead in Advertising. 
Producers on this one were Gary Lucchese and David Wimbury, who died in 2009. Lucchese did Primal Fear and Million Dollar Baby. Wimbury did Evita and The Commitments. Writer for this one was Bruce Robinson. He did The Killing Fields and In Dreams. Cinematography done by Conrad L. Hall, who died in 2003. Did Tequila Sunrise, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. The editor was Conrad Buff IV. He did Titanic and The Abyss. I feel like if your name was Conrad, you were going to be in this movie. Whether cinematography or editing. You might even say there was a plethora of Conrads. A plethora of Conrads. Hire all the Conrads. All of them. All of them. Every single one of them. But uh, any composer named Conrad missed out because Christopher Young did the music for this one. He also did The Grudge and... Eventually, Christopher Young did the music for this one. Eventually, yes. I believe there was a bit of a swap of composers at one time. Yes, yes. Uh, budget for this one was twenty million. Box office was eleven point four million. So it done oh. lost a bit. Um, that's all right. Missed it by that I much. A flick metrics, which combines Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and Letterbox, gives it a fifty-five percent. And Cinema Score nada. There was no Cinema Score for this one. Starring Andy Garcia, who played John Berlin. He was in Ocean's Eleven and Godfather Part Three. Uma Thurman played Helena. She was in Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction. John Malkovich played St. Anne. He was in Being John Malkovich and Dangerous Liaisons. Lance Henriksen played Freddie Ross. He was in Aliens and Hard Target. Nicholas Love played Bisley. He was in Wild at Heart and Twin Peaks. Kathy Baker played Margie Ross. She was in Edward Scissorhands and Cold Mountain. Graham Beckel played John Taylor. He was in Leaving Las Vegas and Battlestar Galactica. Kevin Conway, who died in 2020, played Citrine. He was in Gettysburg and Invincible. Perry Lang played Travis. He was in Eight Men Out and Jacob's Ladder. After discovering his wife's adultery, Los Angeles detective John Berlin relocates to recover and work alongside old friend Freddie Ross in the peaceful town of Eureka, California. When a severed hand is found at a garbage dump, John realizes it belongs to a missing blind woman and connects it to six similar murders. Fearing the next to die will be Helena Robertson, the blind roommate of his last victim, John tries to protect her and find the killer. Hi, uh, Sergeants uh, Chamberlain, Frederick Ross, we have an appointment. No one can see what Jennifer saw. He was standing right where you are, kind of breathless like you. Well, we had a real bad murderer up here a couple of years ago. Girl with no head and no hands. I believe the code is Jennifer. No one can imagine what Jennifer felt. I think I found something horrible, sir. I think I found a hand. What's with all this Jennifer stuff? These cases aren't connected, Yes, John. sir, I think they may be. He's a crazy man. And to my certain knowledge, he has killed eight girls. Not a lot of support for that scenario, though, is there? But one man suspects why she could be next. If I promise to stop being a cop, will you promise to stop being a witness? See a little young view, bro. Huh? You had a lousy life with a lousy wife. Is that why you need to pick on this little blind girl? Because you can control her. Our blind lady has been attacked again. Why does he want to kill me? Because he thinks you're a witness. There is no serial killer. You stick her name up in neon and there is still no serial killer. I love you. Are my lips lying to you? John, what's happening? Is my mouth lying to you? He was here. I've got a bad feeling about this. Is that you, John? I've been doing this too long to be wrong. What the? There is a bad man out there. 
puppies in the next room or in the next state. And I don't know what his trigger is. If he's in the room with her, she's dead! Andy Garcia, Uma Thurman, and John Melkovich. Is anyone there? Jennifer Eight. He's got a bad feeling about this. I know. That was like that was like a nice Star Wars moment there. Mm-hmm. I was like, don't say that. That means everything's going to go wrong. <laughs> don't you read the papers? So our typical first question is, first time you've seen this one, and word or short phrase, how does this movie make you feel? First time I'd seen it, and honestly, I'm kind of confused by it. Okay. All right. I am also going to say first time. It's definitely the first time I had seen this one. And my word or short phrase, I am going to say, hmm, what am I going to say about this one? Confused is similar to kind of what I wanted to say. I wanted to say, let's say convoluted. There you go. Because there are some there are some positives, and I feel bad. You know, Jason Colvin suggested this one for us to watch, and I, which I would assume means that he enjoys this one. So I don't want to rip all over his movie, but and you know, I, there wasn't it wasn't I, just right off the bat. I'll just say it wasn't that I wasn't entertained by the movie. Like I was still watching it, and I was still you know I was still invested in the movie a little bit and I was like okay well how they unravel this and I'll, I'll be curious to see and I, I like all these actors so I'm you know I'm, I'm in it at this point and and we're going to keep going with it there were just a few things here or there that kind of took me out of the movie and made it so that I didn't enjoy it as much as I was hoping to and you know I wonder if the I think it's safe to call it a star-studded cast oh yeah maybe elevated the expectations a little higher than it was ready to meet. Yeah. Yeah, because you're looking at it, you're like John Malkovich, Andy Garcia, Lance Henriksen, Uma Thurman. I mean, you, you go through and you list the people that are in this cast, and I'm like, oh, well, this should be a good one. And then there were just certain things about each of the characters that caused me to, you know, it was almost like you're just driving along and all of a sudden there was something about each of the characters that caused me to hit the brakes. Yeah, the, it was it was clunky. It, clunky is a good word for it, I think. And at two hours, like oftentimes when we talk about a clunky movie, we say, you know, they might have just needed an extra scene here and an extra scene there to help explain a few things and it would have been less clunky. Problem is, when you're clocking in at over two hours already, yeesh, more scenes would be hard. And I, it's missing some connective tissue between the scenes to make things make sense. And it, and it does that from the beginning. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to drop you in the middle of this, but they don't do it very well. Right. The script doesn't, the script and the visuals don't get you to where they want you to be fast enough. Right. You see this junkyard scene and you see this the 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 detective coming up and they're talking about this guy who's already here and they just start going there's not even a two seconds explanation enough of what's happening so it takes some time to get into that and i don't really mind like 
I like movies where I'm not the omniscient observer, but this one was still missing the mark with something. Like I didn't feel like I was in it. There were certain things about this one. I mean, the writing I think is what definitely took me out of it because there were times where, what was it? I know we, we both listened to uh, greatest generation podcast that covered right now. They're covering star Trek Voyager. And there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager in the is it the third season where they go back to 1990s, I think, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And they're walking around, and Sarah Silverman is in one of her first TV roles. She is She's from that time. Like, she works for, I think she works for, like, a SETI lab. And she's, like, scanning for extraterrestrial life. And she actually ends up interacting with is it Tom Paris and Tuvok. Mm-hmm. in that and they're trying to pass themselves off at just like star trek 4 they're trying to pass themselves off as oh yeah we're from this time we we know you know all the stuff all the cool hip lingo that all the kids use and she is able to determine like she can tell right away that they're not from the right time or place because tom paris will use words like groovy it's like nobody's in the 1990s nobody says groovy in the 1990s and they'll say certain things that are just a little bit off like they don't quite understand the actual slang or lingo that belongs there and they were and i meant to write them down and i didn't but there were a couple of times in this movie where that happened where somebody said something and the way that they said it it immediately it was almost like a record scratch inside my head it was like, okay, record scratch, hold on. Wait, what did they just say? Because that that doesn't, number one, that doesn't sound like the way people talk. And number two, I don't know that that sounds like the way a cop would talk in an investigation like this. So I, there were a right. couple of examples of things that just seemed a little off. I was like, wait, how did you say those words again? Because that's not, that don't make no sense. So there were a couple of instances like that where I think the writing, the dialogue, and the right Carrie Fisher should have been brought in to punch up some of the dialogue for this. There you go. That would have Keep been Keep the Carrie Fisher thread alive. Mm-hmm. So there were a few times where stuff like that happened, and it kind of from the get go. Like I, I, I got a little worried from that opening scene when they're at the when they're at the dump, and Lance Henriksen is just like shouting at people left and right, and and yeah, and you have the one, and you have, oh, I'm gonna be here all night. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but gruff, then you have the one I'm gruff cop guy. But then you have the one cop that's like, Sarge, there's something terrible over here. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> something yeah, terrible right. Over here? How I, about, I found a hand. Right. Well, no, no. But the next thing he says is, I think it's a hand. Right. <laughs> you think? Like, have you not? Okay, hold on. Hand. <laughs> Take, here. Here's a test, real quick. Take both of your arms. Yep. Hold them out in front of you. Done. What are a couple of things that you see in front of you? Fingers. Fingers, which are attached to? Palms. Palms, which are part of the overall feature of your body known as? Oh, hands! I get it oh, now! A hand. <laughs> a hand. So do we know what a hand would look like? We do. Yes. Then, w- then should we ever say the words, I think it's a hand? No. Okay. No, how about Sarge found a hand cuz I'm a cop. Right. And I found a hand. I know what hands look like. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So, so those cops are getting a little handsy uh, and they're trying to figure out 
What's uh, trying to figure oh, out what's Lord. going on here? <laughs> I got a this is the second episode we've recorded tonight, children. This is. <laughs> this is. You can't tell. And and Pat and and no one else is here to kind of rein us in. So it, indeed, basically indeed, <laughs> basically you you get what you get. So yep. Congratulations. Thank you for playing. Yes, and then the movie progresses from there. Then they go to the they kind of and it progresses from there fairly quickly. And yeah, there's there's a deductive leap from here to this cold case that John Berlin's never heard of. John Berlin, did I get that wrong? Yeah, yeah. Okay. This this cold case that he sort of has only heard of because he mentions the hand, yeah. and one hand led this other cop to think about this body that had no hands, and then he ties it to the roommate rather quickly. I mean, I guess the whole point is he's supposed to be some kind of super cop that couldn't make it in the big city, but... But on the other hand, my problem with this... <laughs> wait, was, wait, hold on. There's two hands there? There's, there's one hand, but when <laughs> when will that hand be now? Soon. Soon. Okay, good, good. I can't put my finger on it, but what I'm thinking is... That's because of your hands in the dumpster. It's because your hands in the... But it's, in, it's been in the freezer. It's true. Yeah. It's, I mean, what do they say? Cold hands, warm heart? Something like that. This lady's heart is on fire because her hands have been frozen for like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about the cold shoulder. That may still be in the freezer. We don't know. But we're here for all the puns tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So, yes, this progressed very quickly. And and I'm, I tried to go look this up and I could not find it. The The equivalent of a female John Doe would be a Jane Doe? Yes. I tried to look up a Jennifer, because they make a comment, and it was in the trailer, too, I think. they're like, Yeah, the code uh, is Jennifer. Yeah, the code is Jennifer, but it's a code for a woman with no head and no hands. I'm like, are we coming up on these often enough that we have a code for, I mean, man, Eureka, California is a rough place. How about it? Man. So I'm guessing by your incredulity that you did not find that this is a thing. I mean, they're like, well, what do we call a woman with no head and no hands? So I can call her whatever you want. She's not going to hear you. She's not going to hear you. This is right. So so I was a little confused by that part. And then, because that's one of those things, too, where you get the title of the movie, and it's like Jennifer 8. I'm like, okay, well, what could Jennifer 8 possibly? That's an interesting title that has a number in it. Because typically when you have a number, that means it's part of a series. You know, it's like... Star Trek 8 or Jaws 8. We don't know what Jaws 8, but it's probably a few people. And a couple boats. Right. but Because now we need a bigger one. But we need a bigger one. But there are no other movies. It starts with Jennifer 8, so I'm like, oh, dear Lord, is this going to be like Leonard Part 6? I really hope not. <laughs> really hope not. <laughs> what do you want to say, Bo? Pretty, pretty, pretty thoughtful of you. <laughs> <sighs> and we find out it was Bill Cosby the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> With the serial killing and the jello, jello pudding and the... <laughs> pretty, <Yeah. laughs> pretty, pretty too soon. <laughs> yeah, too, too soon? Okay, all right. What did Abraham Lincoln say when he left it? No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty <laughs> good too, show. That's not too soon. <laughs> Uh, anyway, 
So, yeah. So, I mean, that's one of those that, like, I, before we even started watching this movie, I'm like, Jennifer 8. Are there going to be clones? Clones would be cool. And yeah, like, there was. like the eighth I, Jennifer or, you know, it's like WD-40. It was the 40th time they finally got it right. Is this like Jennifer 8? The first seven were like, it's like Alien 4 and there's a bunch of Sigourney Weavers in a vat somewhere. No, no. Okay, so there were seven other murders before this, and she's potentially the eighth one. But they weren't all in Eureka, because some of them were in San Diego? Yeah, that's where, yeah, that's kind of where I started to get a little lost with some stuff. So So I did pick up on that eventually. Possibly. Took me a minute. Yeah. So... So, I mean, the rest of it, you start to go into, you know, he, he kind of falls in love with, I mean, fairly quickly, he falls in love with... Well, Uma. I mean, it is Uma Thurman. That's true. I mean, it's understandable. But Uma is playing this character who is living at this kind of like a, a school for the blind. And, you know, he kind of, as he's interviewing her for this court case or for this for this mystery, you know, she's giving as much information as she can. You get to eventually you kind of get to this idea that she had a roommate who had a boyfriend or somebody who kind of, you know, took her away and that this roommate was one of the Jennifers. And, you know, she knows things like, well, he must have had this like, you know, breath spray that he used and he was out of breath coming up the stairs and he talked like this and he sounded like this. And so she had all these different details one of the and things, they come out. They come out slowly over time as her memory is jogged. They do, and one of the things about that is, and I'm not, you know, I I, I don't want to ascribe, you know, superpowers to someone just because they have a, you know, a, a disability or something like that. But you know, I, I saw online and saw people. Several people were like, "Well, wait a minute. When you're blind, doesn't that mean that like some of your other senses are a little bit more heightened?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. That that was Daredevil." I don't know that that's like average human being, that that's always the case. But so I don't want to make an assumption about that. But part of me is like, wouldn't you recognize his voice later on in the movie? Yeah, that was a little odd because you would think like she does come up with a first name at one point. But yeah, I, and that's part of why I almost, that, I should have gone back and tried to figure, like, when was the first time she actually heard his voice again? Because it was later. It took a while mm-hmm. for them to cross paths. So I, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, I mean, there were there were just a few things here and there as the as the movie kind of went on. Then eventually we get to we get to a point where they're trying to track down this killer and we, we still don't quite know who the killer is, although it kind of reaches the point where when Lance Henriksen's character goes back, well, they both go back because they think they're going to be able to catch the killer at some point. They go back to the school for the blind and they're at trying night, to catch him. At night without backup yeah. and a little drunk. And a little drunk. So all kinds of mistakes being made here. Mistakes were made, you know, people, regrets all over the place. Yeah, and then his, his uh, partner gets gunned down. Lance Henderson gets gunned down. Not before he has a, an opportunity to yell out, no, John, why are you doing this? No. And, and oddly enough, it's because his partner's name is John Berlin that then they believe he's the one that killed his own partner. But that was the point at which I was like, okay, well, it's not going to be Andy Garcia. I already know that much. Wasn't there the other cop's name, John Taylor? 
I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. So you're not really hiding too much. I think I just kind of figured it out. Yeah. Because he's kind of a, I mean, in Battlestar Galactica, he was kind of a slimy guy anyway with questionable morals. But he had a lovely singing voice. So, yeah, kind of figured that one out pretty quickly. And here, at this point, is where John Malkovich shows up. Yes. And that was probably one of the other things I was like, wait a minute, if you're going to tell me John Val- Malkovich is in a movie, I want to see him a lot earlier. Like, I want to see him, because I, I feel like they name-dropped his character a few times early on in the movie, but it wasn't until at least the halfway point, I believe, yeah. that he actually shows up. Here's my other thing, and I, I don't want it to feel like I'm criticizing everything about this movie, but this this I have to criticize because normally I like John Malkovich in his different roles because he's because he just gets so into the role and he's he's so eccentric sometimes. He's a little bit like a Jeff Goldblum. Like I, I watch because I can't wait to see what he's what he's gonna do. In this one, his the entire time he was speaking, it sounded like he had a head cold. Yes. And I, I'm, tr- I'm watching this. I'm going. Did was John Malkovich just sick, and they like, had to shoot this because they were out of time, like, or is this some sort of character choice that I can't process? Give the man a tissue. Did I miss an allergy comment? Yeah. He's having a cigarette at the beginning of the one scene, so I, I, yeah. I mean, knowing what we know about the movie production now, I wonder if it was just, hey, we got to shoot this. Yeah, it could be. You know. Yeah. Get the man a decongestant, yeah. you know? I mean, something. Yeah. So. You know, I suppose you might find out they had to reshoot that on a whim someday. I don't know. Yeah. But something wasn't right about that. Yeah. Because I don't feel like it was every interrogation scene sounded like that. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple that <laughs> just didn't sound right. Yeah. Well, and it's... Of the, uh, I'll go back for a second because of the, I think the the writing for this was what really pulled me out, and like I said, there were several different things. All right, I'll, we'll just get it all out here, just so I can get it out and over with, and then we can go on and talk about other things. The John Malkovich, his voice, like that drove me crazy. Like, get the guy a tissue. Like, get him some Vicks Vapo Rub or something. I don't know. Exactly. Do, you do gotta have right. Magic cocktails on set to right. clear up some sinus cavities for a little while. I'll give them in some horseradish for crying out loud. Right. Uma Thurman, I have seen her in so many other things that I don't know. It just her performance. I don't know if she just felt like the best way to to perform as a blind person was just to perform as like an emotionless robot. Yeah, the whole are my the whole do my lips lie right do i I, it's not shakespeare and they put that in the trailer i mean yeah this is not shakespeare in the park (laughs) doth doth mother know that you wear her (laughs) yeah so i don't know they're just there were just some some little bits and pieces here and there that just kind of took me out of the movie. The writing, yeah. I know from the the trivia page on IMDb that Bruce Robinson, the Bruce Robinson, was writing this script just so that he could get a commercial film made so that he could try to make some other stuff. So it sounds like the idea was, well, let me just do that. You know how some of the other writers and directors and things like that, they'll be like, all right, 
I have my artsy projects I would like to get made. So let me go make your, you know, regular kind of formulaic cop movie. And uh, once I do that and it does well, then maybe you will hire me to do other projects that I would like to do. What I would like to do, exactly. Yeah. And so it sounds like it, it says on the IMDb page that he wrote this script for the sole purpose of actually getting a formula commercial film made so he might have leverage to make other projects. Because of the failure of the movie, he did not. So. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I felt like... I don't know. I just, I kind of felt like it was too much. I felt like it was somebody's first time writing a mystery. (laughs) And so they put too many clues in different places or they, it it just, it got too convoluted. Yeah. Too much of the wrong thing in the wrong place. Yeah. It needed a good, I don't know. (laughs) I think you already said this. It needed a Carrie Fisher punch up. Yeah. It could, it could have used a little help with some dialogue mm-hmm. and it just, yeah, there are so many other things. And I think especially if you're going to play up, I mean, if a major part of the plot, and we'll talk about this later, because one of our three questions has to do with this. If a major part of the plot has to do with a character having a disability, use that. Right. And I don't feel like that got used half as much as it could have been. So, I, I would have liked to have seen more done with that. All right. I'm going to jump ahead to the end because we get to the end and the way that the killer ends up getting finished off here at the end of the movie. Uh, what did you think about that? I'm, I'm curious to know the, the way that the killer met his end. You know, did you, pun intended, did you see that? Yes, because I felt like they were telegraphing it, but there was literally a moment where I thought she got stabbed. Mm. Okay. Because of the way it was shot and the way she sort of backed away from it. I was like, wait a minute. Did I miss this? Is he going to kill her first? And I, I ended up being wrong. I just, I don't think it was shot right to telegraph, unless they were trying to be coy about it, but it was not from I don't the, know what that. Not from the single white female school of cinematography where people can't defend themselves and the <laughs> camera angles look like no one should ever have been able to stab anyone from that far away. <laughs> No, no. I, I wanted to know how they both didn't get stabbed. The knife had to be so close between them. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. it was very strange. And maybe that was just them trying to grapple with I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying here. Yeah. I yeah, I didn't buy it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Something about that last fight scene mm-hmm. just didn't feel right. I don't know if she, I don't know, the more I think about it, I don't know if I felt like she made it sound like she was afraid for her life. Mm -hmm. It was too formula, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and and jumping back to our earlier comment about the three amigos, they apparently decided to reenact amigos, amigos, amigos. And uh, as they were running through the hallway, like they round a corner and somehow they had managed to set up this whole plot of how, I mean, first of all, I don't care if you get a little wheezy going down the stairs. I feel like a grown man who, I mean, if he really wants to kill this girl, he should have caught her. Yeah. 
Like, I understand, I mean, you're blind and you're in the school for the blind that you've grown up in. So maybe you know your way around a little bit, but you're also being chased by a killer. You could get stabbed or shot at any moment. The dude's just kind of walking and she's stumbling through the hallways, unable to see, literally. And he can't catch her until they've already gone down a flight of stairs and through a few different hallways. And then when they kind of like round a corner or however it is, when she's out of sight for a moment, she manages to switch with Ross's wife, who's wearing the same robe. And then she turns and she's got the gun on him. Right. Like, huh. So where this threw me off, I I actually love that. I was like, oh, that's great. I love that. The only problem was, the only problem I had with it was, the way the story was going and the way that Andy Garcia was rushing to get there so he could save them, the last time you see him, he's trying to pass a truck on a snowy road. And then you don't see him until it's the end of the movie. He doesn't show up. Like, he doesn't show up at all in that final confrontation when they shoot and kill John Taylor. Mm-hmm. He never shows up. For all we know, he's still trying to pass the truck. All right, wait a minute. Is he not the one in the movie who needs the redemption? He's the one that needs to be, it's proven that he's not the killer. And, you know, to a point I can understand because the wife then gets to get revenge on the guy who killed her husband. But then isn't it just her? But should be there. Right, because now isn't it just their word against the FBI agent that, right. like, who's the witness that proves, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I had some I had some problems with that part. As John Malkovich said in this movie, I'm running out of questions. And you're, <laughs> and you're running out of lies. <laughs> That, that whole interrogation scene was very interesting. It was. Like, that probably was, because it was weird and it was awkward, but it was probably my favorite part of the movie. Well, it was John Malkovich weird and awkward, which right. I think is why we liked it. Which is why it was fine. So, I so to, to sum it up, I, I don't want to dump on this movie because it had some fun parts, and it definitely had, I mean, it had, a, a as we said, a star-studded cast. I think the writing just took me out of this one too much. I, I wanted it to be, because, I mean, it, it was along the same lines as, you know, what did we, which ones have we done recently? We did we did Homicide was another good cop movie that we had yep. done recently. Oh, gosh, what were some of the other ones? Internal Affairs we did a while ago. That was another good one. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. But we've had some, we've had some, like, good kind of, like, corrupt crop, corrupt crop, you know, that. Corrupt crop, yes. corrupt corn. What now? Yeah, no the <laughs> the weeds. The weeds are coming for us. I mean, we've had some good ones over the last couple of years, and I just comparing those with this one. This one just doesn't quite hold as much of the others. Or if I like, I I I tried to jump to do a quick Google search, and I was like, show me movies that are like Jennifer Eight. And some of the results, I'm looking at the results. I'm like, oh man, I want to go watch that movie again. <laughs> oh, I got to go watch that movie again. You know, it, it brings up movies, it was like popular movies related to Jennifer 8. And the first one on the list is like 7. I'm like, oh man, I love 7. 
What's in the box? What's in the box? That's that's the goop product you don't want to order. <laughs> oh my! I know she's got other candles that smell like other things, but I'm like, wow, that candle looks remarkably like her head. I was not <laughs> expecting that at all. <laughs> wow. Maybe that's where she got the idea. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's. But I mean, it's it's listing some of the movies here, like Kiss the Girls, Usual Suspects, mm, uh, Usual Suspects, No Way Out, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, um, oh, very good, Sea of Love, Jamie Lee Curtis in Blue Steel, <laughs> The Bone Collector. I mean, some of these other movies, and I'm I'm looking at this list, and I'm going. Like Internal Affairs, that one with Richard Gere. There's even a few others in here that have, you know, Andy Garcia in them. And I'm like, I think I just want to go watch those movies. Yeah. it. This one had a lot of, Andy, yeah, Andy Garcia was in, in uh, Internal Affairs. So just making those comparisons, I got to go with, and, and Jason, I hope you don't, <laughs> I hope you're not feeling bad or worried or anything that we didn't care for the movie, but it kind of like, you don't have another podcast with him this week. Do you? Yeah. A little bit later this week. Sorry, Jason. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Yeah. I just, when I, when I compare it to some of the other ones we've done, I'm like, you know, this one was, I'm not going to say this one was a terrible movie. I'm not even going to necessarily say it was a bad movie. I'm just going to say that it just didn't, it didn't live up to what some of the other movies in this genre have done. And I wanted it to, given the cast, given the people that were I was going to say, and it didn't live up to the billing. No. Like, you see these names, and you're like, all right. Yeah, oh, I'll watch anything that Lance Henriksen is in, that, you know, Uma Thurman, John Malkovich, all these folks. Like, I'll, I'll watch whatever they're in. But, yeah, this one kind of, this one fell short for me. All right. Do we have anything else we want to say about Jennifer 8? I don't think so. Next year we can talk about the sequel, Jennifer Part 9. <laughs> the search for more money. Is that a niner I heard in there? Is that a niner? You kind of trailed off at the end. I I did call on the phone. <laughs> what number did you call? Something, seven, niner. Niner. A niner in there? You're calling on a walkie-talkie? All right. I think it's time for three questions. Are you ready for three questions? I am ready. I I have three questions. After that, I'll be running out of questions. So I don't know if you're running out of lies, but we'll go with it. (laughs) Whatever. I will. I will queue up the lies for you. Okay. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite movie or TV show featuring a character with a disability? 
And I'm going to actually, let me, let me jump in here real quick. Sure. I, I actually Go was trying it. to do a little bit of research and I wanted to make sure that I, I'm always, I always try to be careful to be respectful and, and to word things the way they should be. And I was going back and forth. I was like, okay, I work in a school and I know that we always try to be careful about, you know, terminology that we use and things like that. I'm like, do you say a person with a disability? Do you say alternately abled? Do you say like how, what, what's the best word to use there? And let me just say, don't research things on the internet. <laughs> True. Because you know what I found on the internet? A lot of trash. What I found, a garbage dumpster fire. What I found on the internet is no matter what word you use, 50% of people hate it. 50% of people like it. And 10% are just mean and nasty. I'm assuming the 10% that are mean and nasty are part of the other 50% because otherwise then I was on. I w- it was my I'm, understanding that there would be no math. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. So anyway, I'm just going to use the word disability and that's what we're going to go with. But I, if, there we if go. anyone is listening and they are offended by that word, I do not use it to be offending in any way i just kept looking things up and some people did not like the term alternately abled and some people did not like the term disabled so we're just going to go with that and apologize on, at the onset there we go well why don't you why don't you tell us your for your so so a couple of different things i i enjoy the movie sam jackson has the has Kind of the medical condition of having the very fragile bones in that one. The other one I think of is the TV series. I did like the movie. I know a lot of people didn't, but I'm going to go with the Netflix TV series of Daredevil. That was a really good one. Daredevil, of course, being the blind uh, superhero whose other senses are heightened. But the one that I think I'm going to go with is the movie, I think it was called Hush. I really enjoyed that one. It was, when did it come out? 2016. Have you seen this one, Bo? I don't think so. It's not ringing a bell. Okay. So in this movie, and I'm trying to remember what her name was, she was one of the actresses that was in the Haunting of Hill House series that Netflix did. Which I have not seen yet, but oh, really okay. want to. Okay. Yeah. I've heard it is amazing. Very good. Kate Siegel is the actress's name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so in this movie, and this one is really good too. It is a kind of a horror suspense movie. And the premise is, here's the... Here's the IMDb uh, synopsis of it. A deaf and mute writer who retreated into the woods to live a solitary life must fight for her life in silence when a masked killer appears at her window. (laughs) And what I really liked about this movie is they actually have, I mean, you as the audience watching get to or have to experience some parts of the movie the way she does as a character. She can't hear anything. And so, I mean, you know how when you're watching a horror movie, sometimes the sound is just as important as what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. There are entire parts of the movie where you get to experience it from her perspective and you know that someone is trying to break into the house and kill you, but you can't hear anything. Like, you can't hear footsteps coming up behind you. You can't hear you know, someone creeping around or someone smashing a window or whatever. And so they really do play with the idea that she is unable to hear. And they use that in some pretty effective and pretty creepy ways in this movie. 
Cool. So it is a, I remember watching it when I was on kind of a little bit of a horror kick a couple of years ago, trying to get caught up on modern horror movies that I really hadn't watched lately. I came across hers and I think I came across this because we had watched Haunting of Hill House and it was being recommended on Netflix Mm -hmm. just because she was also in that, but uh, very, very good. Some scenes that are a little gory. So if you're, if you're, if you're not, if people are listening to this and you're not as much fan of some of the gory stuff, there are some, there are some scenes here and there that, mm-hmm. uh, that can be a little graphic. But other than that, really, really good movie. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with Hush from 2016. There you go. So I found a few, unsurprisingly. You did say movie or TV show mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the question. So my initial leap, and not a main character, but a recurring character on the West Wing was Joey Lucas, played by Marley Matlin, mm-hmm. who is just awesome. Yeah. Like... Everything she's in, she is amazing. So that popped to mind instantly. But then if, if I had to force myself into movies, the next thing that popped in was uh, Rain Man. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> there are, I still quote parts of that movie. Kmart sucks, Ray. I was, it, it was funny. I was, we were talking with a group of friends not that long ago. I think it was the middle of last week. And they were talking about movies and TV shows. And, of course, they all know that I watch a lot of movies and that I they all know I have a movie podcast. And, and so they're talking stuff. And they're like, yeah, you know that one movie with that one actor? And I immediately recalled the actor's name. And they're like, yeah, but then they, they And the they, costume they, designer. And, and the, the, yeah. yeah, the costume yeah. designer and the, you know, <laughs> the best dolly grip and all that other stuff. And so then they started, they listed somebody else. And I immediately recalled that name too. And then like, yeah, but what about that one movie? that was it. And I re- immediately called the name of the movie. <laughs> and one of them turned to me and just goes, all right, rain man, just <laughs> give it a rest. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there at the table and I just go, yeah, yeah. Tw- 246 toothpicks. 246. Definitely, definitely 246. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an excellent driver. I'm a good driver. An excellent driver. I get to drive, get to back the car out of the driveway. Oh, yeah. Wapner's, Wapner's on me. Five minutes to Wapner. Five minutes to Wapner. Definitely, definitely five minutes. Okay, no, that's a good one. I like that one. All right, question number two. Favorite roles for John Malkovich and Uma Thurman? John Malkovich plays a bad guy too well for words in the line of fire. Mm-hmm. Him and Clint Eastwood playing off each other. Very good. First one I thought of, looked through his list of credits one more time just to make sure I hadn't missed anything and still landed on in the line of fire. Yeah. Great role for him. And then Uma Thurman. Another tough one, so I went with the first one that popped into my head, and that was Pulp Fiction, yeah. Mia Wallace. Yeah. I think we're, we're going to get a daily double on that one, because that would have been mine, too. <laughs> yeah, for John What about Malkovich. your John Malkovich? Yeah, I was trying to think of, for his, I mean, he's just he's just such a great, you, you know that you're going to have a fun time when you, <laughs> when he comes on the screen. Yeah, I kept trying to kept trying to figure out i liked him in, you know what i i liked him in being john malkovich well that's good i yeah i mean you should i liked him in i liked him in the man in the iron mask yeah that was a fun part for him you know what i one of the movies that i really liked him in and i i've only seen it i've only seen it a couple of times i really liked him in uh shadow of the vampire Ooh. did you ever see that one no okay 
It is John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe. And it's the it's supposed to be the filming of the movie Nosferatu from nineteen twenty two. That's that's the story of the of this movie is they're filming okay. Nosferatu in nineteen twenty two. And here's the little description. The filming of Nosferatu, 1922, is hampered by the fact that its star, Max Schreck, is taking the role of a vampire far more seriously than seems humanly possible. Hmm. And Max Schreck is played by Willem Dafoe. Ooh, there so, we go. So you've got John Malkovich. Actually, here, here's your, <laughs> here's three of your major cast members for that movie. John Malkovich, Willem Dafoe, and Carrie Elwes. Hmm. No, it's it was. I remember that being a fun one. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember uh, just really enjoying him and Willem Dafoe together in that movie because Willem Dafoe is the one playing the vampire. But I just remember that one being a really fun one. I'll have to check that one out. That sounds cool. And as much as I didn't really enjoy, as much as I didn't really enjoy Dangerous Liaisons, he was good in that one. Mmm. You know what? I'm. I, yeah. I'm going to go Empire of the Sun. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to do that one as one of my favorites of his. I really liked him. Nice. Yeah, I liked him. God, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. We did that one. I don't remember what episode number it was, but. Yeah. We did it. It feels like forever ago. It was, uh, would have been a while ago. But yeah, we did that one at some point. I'll see if I can get the number for you while you vamp a little. All right. Uh, let's see. Question number three. Did I do my Uma Thurman? Yeah. Oh, Pulp Fiction. We had the Daily Double. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I was Episode also. Episode 146. Was it 146? Okay. I was From also, 1987. Okay. I was also very quickly trying to find that one. Yeah. 146. And I it, it accidentally got me to, not that one, but it got me to The Golden Child. Which understandable yeah and it was the episode title was a quote from the movie my dear sweet brother numsy yeah i think i missed our empire of the sun recording did you really okay because i while i know i have seen the movie i do not recall seeing it recently okay god it's been yeah it's been a long time now i missed this recording for sure okay Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember really enjoying his part. Oh, I, Great I, movie. I even got a little, I got a little punchy in the show notes for that one, too. Oh? When a, when a young Bruce Wayne gets separated from his parents, he must learn to do whatever it takes in order to survive in a Japanese internment camp. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. No, you're not. <laughs> you're a little British boy. I'm Batman. <laughs> ah, favorite crooked cop in a movie or TV show? This one was tough because there are so many good ones. So, gosh, I still, anyone from LA Confidential really kind of works for me. Jeez. Favorite crooked cop. I swear I do think about these ahead of time, but this one kind of stumped me. There's just too many. And there's so many, like... (sighs) 
every, not to say every, but almost every cop movie has a crooked cop in it. Yeah, I'm going to say anyone from L.A. Confidential. <laughs> okay. It's it's too broad, but that's what I got. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with, I remember really enjoying this one. I've seen it a couple of times. And one of the first times I saw it, I, I took a, I took like a, a history of film class in college. And this is around Shocking. the time. I know. And this is around the time that I was, I was very much back and forth on did I want to stay because when I went into college I went in as a journalism major and I was like do I want to go in to journalism and do I want to stick with that I had this thought in the back of my mind that maybe I wanted to do something with education and then there was another thought in the back of my mind I would like to go to film school I was like I would love to direct a movie and do some of that stuff someday so this was around the time that those three different roads were kind of converging. So I took this class and we watched a movie during that. I mean, we, you know, in this class, you watch some of the classics. We watched Citizen Kane. I think we watched Raging Bull. Uh, you know, some of these other movies that, you know, are, should be on everybody's list of movies you got to see if you're going to do anything at all with, with film. And this one always kind of stuck with me. And it was, it was a fun movie. And I remember after we watched it in class, I even went out and I rented it. I don't own it, but I did rent it a couple of times and watch it again after that. I am actually going to go with an old school black and white 1950s, I think it was. Yeah, 1958. There we go. 1958 film noir written and directed by Orson Welles called Touch of Evil. Very nice. That one, it's, it's, that one's, it's a lot of fun. It is a, it's absolutely film noir. You've got Charlton Heston. You've got Janet Lee. You've got Orson Welles. You've got, I think Marlena Dietrich is in that. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, great cast. And Orson Welles is, it's, I love his character in that movie. But yeah, there's, everybody's, everybody's a little corrupt in that one. And it was, just, I remember it being a fun, Jaja Gabor is in that one too. Oh, nice. So. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with Touch of Evil. Perfect. All right. I think that that is question three out of our three questions. I concur. You concur. All right. So we can do that kind of math on the podcast. Anything more complicated, we're not. Oh, yeah. That's about it. We are at 30podcast.com. So if you want to go find more of our episodes, you can head over there and check those out. We've got a few. So, you know, if you want to listen to one every day for an entire year, uh, you you would not run out. You'd be able to go a year and then some. So, uh, so feel free. If you're looking, if you got a long drive or anything, have you, if you're mowing your lawn and you want to listen to something while you're mowing your lawn, I don't know why you're mowing your lawn in February. I mean, good for you for living in a place where you can do that, but. And can we come visit? And, and please. Because, can we, folks, it's cold here. It's, it's, it's freezing. Please. We got some more episodes coming up here in the month of March coming up next. We've got our Patreon episode for Patreon executive, co-executive producers have access to this one, Death Trap from 1982 with Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve. That is a fun one. I am looking forward to that one. We've got Far and Away is coming up and then our 400th episode is in just a couple of weeks. We are redoing the first. Gremlins, Ghostbusters, and Nightmare on Elm Street was our first ever recording that we did where the audio was so bad that it was lost and never really released. So uh, we are redoing those movies. If you are a Patreon co-executive producer, you will actually get a as cleaned up as possible version of that original audio that I've been able to 
kind of work on lately and, and get into, you know, somewhat decent shape. So if you are one of those Patreon co-executive producers, you will have exclusive access to that audio. So you can go check it out there. It should be up there pretty soon. We've also got The Last of the Mohicans is coming out in March. Scent of a Woman, The Bodyguard. And then in April, we've got our uh, Patreon episode is High Noon from 1952. And we've got Patriot Games, Under Siege, A Few Good Men, and Universal Soldier. I still will never forget the sleepover party I went to where we watched Universal Soldier and Army of Darkness. That's where I got oh, That's a double feature for you. That was a, that was a fun night. That, that entire sleepover party, it was, uh, it was probably like, what, fifth grade? I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. And we we played a lot of Street Fighter Two Turbo, <laughs> and we watched Army of Darkness and Universal Soldier. Street Fighter Two, Army of Darkness, and Universal Soldier. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's a that's a good. I, I would be happy with a sleepover party that did that now. Right. I'd be totally fine with it now. Like if somebody came to me now, I'd be like, hey, you're 41 years old. You want to go to a sleepover party and. We're going to play Street Fighter 2 and watch Army of Darkness and Universal Soldier? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. The only problem with the sleepover party is sleeping on sleeping bags on the floor is hard now. Well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you said a sleepover party. That usually implies. I'm not. No, I'm not doing a sleeping bag because, again, I'm 41 now. I'm going to have to bring my CPAP machine. <laughs> right? I can't do a sleeping bag because my back is going to kill me. I come with accessories now. I'm right. old. That's right. that's just how it is. I'm basically RoboCop. I come with a lot of accessories and I can't even like fall asleep in my recliner anymore. It's no. it's just not right. No. <laughs> and and see that's that's the difference between an adult sleepover party and a child sleepover party is that child sleepover party you never actually go to sleep. In- indeed. The adult party I'm like Guys, if we're going to finish these two movies and play some video games, we're going to need to we gotta start. We got to go now. We need to start at like 4.30. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I'm done. Early bird special. I'm done That's... by like 9.45. So, yeah. just so we're Just so we're clear. So we're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the two old guys are done talking to each other. So we're going we're gonna to head out now. <laughs> it's after 9.45. So I should have fallen asleep a long time ago. Who says we didn't? We, maybe we did. Maybe we did. Maybe we dreamt the whole thing. I guarantee Pat's asleep. Yes. <laughs> we love there you. is no doubt in my mind. We, we love you, Pat. We really do. All right. <laughs> Bo, thank you as always. Thank you, John. All right, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time for Far and Away.